Well, it's Tuesday, and we're so glad you joined us, Christy and Alonzo. We got uh, a ton of news, a lot of stuff breaking up, like this morning even, uh, and a couple of reviews to get you into your week. So welcome. Good to see you guys. Uh, before we begin, we would love it if you would subscribe. It's been so much fun to have so many new folks come and join us as we try to grow the channel and offer movie news and reviews and cool segments. We've got a cool segment coming next <laughs> week that I am very excited about personally. So hop on board. We'd love to see you. Thanks for that. Uh, our Movie House Shout Out Theater, we mentioned them last week. We're going to do it again today. The Manor Theater in Pittsburgh. 100 years for them, a great legacy for them, and they are doing their end-of-summer blockbuster fest. So if you have never seen The Big Lebowski in a theater full of people, you know, dressed up like the dude and drinking white Russians and quoting lines back to the screen, then you've not really lived. Are they going to let you drink white Russians? Don't go promising that if it turns out I they mean, don't do that at this theater. They have a bar at the manor. Okay, then white Russian it up. <laughs> It, you know, it sounds like a thing you've got to do. So um, that's all happening. Uh, but the big news, of course, I am excited about this, is that there's going to be a documentary about Bama Rush. Alonzo, are you following Bama Rush? Uh, unless we're talking about like we're talking about sorority rush. I don't know what Bama Rush is. <laughs> you are missing out. Hashtag Bama Rush is, is a huge thing on TikTok. So Alabama a school where like the Greek system is a huge deal mm -hmm. and all these young women going through rush have been posting on TikTok with like their outfit of the day. And it's become sort of like a reality series. It okay. began last year at fall rush. And now even more so to the extent that like there are people like specific young women who became like the star, the star of the year, this chick who was like Miss teen Ohio who pledged Zeta and everyone was following every move, like everything she wore all the drama is this becoming a thing like the way how actors get acting roles because they have a big you know online social media following and that helps them get hired for stuff that like you're now going to social media your way into a sorority or fraternity i mean is that what's happening maybe or these girls would have gotten bids from the houses they wanted anyway because they're like beautiful polished pageant girls i'm not saying they are the <laughs> earning it this very important thing but i'm just i'm saying is this another thing now where like you have to have the footprint of an influencer and that maybe. how like somehow sways things Oy. all i know is i am so happy that there was no social media when i was a sorority girl right <laughs> well i mean i was i was not a sorority girl i was a, i was a gdi at vanderbilt but um yeah no i I constantly thrilled that like my life before I was 30 was not captured in social media. Yes. So HBO Max and Vice are working on this documentary together. There was a huge story in the New York Times about the whole hashtag Bama Rush phenomenon. Mm. So I'll be tuning in. <laughs> I like all that kind of stuff. Uh, You're waiting for the SMU spinoff. Oh, no, no, no. Nothing can top what happens at these giant SEC schools. You gotcha. went you went to one, you know. Yes, no, right? it's a thing. It is a thing. Yes. Um. So Bill Paxton's family has settled with Cedars-Sinai. Bill yes. Paxton died several years back um, following surgery. And the family accused the surgeon of trying to do something very complex and challenging and like more sophisticated than he was capable of, of handling. And now there's been a settlement. We don't know what the amount of money was, but that happened. I imagine that settlements being settlements, neither side gets to say anything about it. So we just have to sort of 
Take right. that as red. Right, indeed. Uh, there's some weird Gary Busey news out Ooh. there. He has had troubles the last several years. And then earlier this month, he was at some monster mania convention and signing autographs as many celebrities do. And mm. several women accused him of groping them during photos and just doing inappropriate things. And so he was charged with four counts of sexual harassment or assault. And then several days later was caught photographed in broad daylight at a park in Malibu with his pants down, sitting on a park bench, um, doing something lewd in public yeah, with, and then yeah, smoking yeah. a cigar for a half an hour afterward. We hope he gets the help he needs. Yeah. There's stuff going on there. Mm. So there's that. There's happy news, too. Uh, a lot of re-releases, new releases. If you want 11 more minutes of Spider-Man No Way Home, <laughs> that is coming out on September 2nd. Um, there's a whole new poster along with it, which is very weird because now they can cram in every character. Now that we know <laughs> who all is in it, like the various spiders, men, they're not a right. surprise anymore. And then... Um, Avatar is going to come out again to theaters on September 23rd. There is a, a 4K version of that in preparation for the Avatar sequel in December. I and mean, that's really cool because if you want yeah. I've I've wanted to see that movie again that way, yeah. you know, projected 3D, the whole nine yards, because I, I did watch it once on, uh, you know, Netflix or something for for a maximum film, it was like, oh, yeah, this really does need the bells and whistles. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So uh, I, I will drag Nick and we will go. And we will see that. And then Glass Onion, the sequel to Knives Out, has a release date. That is December 23rd. So we'll be right. sure to catch up with that when that comes out. Is that premiering at TIFF? Do we know? Is that I did, know. did I hear that? Did I not hear that? I don't know. Okay. Maybe I not. thought I thought we knew that. Maybe that's true. <laughs> this is why we who call can, it news, because it's news who to can us. Keep up. Exactly. <laughs> Nick Kroll is doing his first ever Netflix special. That will be oh. fun. That is called Little Big Boy. That'll be out on September 27th. I always enjoy Nick Kroll. Yeah. Um, publicity. Publicity was just accurate. I mean, <laughs> it's not very. even parody. Like we've dealt with enough publicists <laughs> in our lives. <laughs> it really is. Um, so the season finale for Only Murders in the Building aired today. I have not watched it yet, so I don't Nor know who I. the killer is. Please don't tell us. We have been recapping it on our Patreon. If you guys would like to come and join us there. Patreon.com slash BFS all day. There's a link below as well. Um, but Paul Rudd apparently is in the finale. This is all I know. Paul Rudd's in the finale because it was announced that he is going to also be in season three. Yes. Very exciting. I welcome all of that. Will Amy Schumer be back? That's a good question. We don't know. Was Amy Schumer the killer? I, that's true. Yes. Well, we haven't seen her since episode one. If she's in the finale, again, don't tell us. We haven't gotten there yet. We don't know, but we will find out soon and we'll recap for you on Friday. Uh, Cineworld, Cineworld, which owns Regal, right? The yeah. second biggest movie theater chain in the world. Yes, huge to, in Europe. Yes, they're preparing to file for bankruptcy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't had a chance to read the piece yet, but there was a headline this morning on The Wrap that even with some of the summer hits that have emerged, that theaters are definitely still struggling. So, Right, yeah. So they recorded losses of $3 billion, wow. billion with a B in 2020, right? Mm. It wasn't quite so bad last year. It was only 
$708 million in 2021. Um, and so I guess they are still struggling and they are preparing to file for bankruptcy, but they say, oh, we're still open. Customers come on in and you know come still see us, which is why it is more important than ever to support your local movie theater like we like to tell you around here. Indeed. Ideally the indies, but yeah, apparently even the biggies could use your help. And even if theaters are open, when indeed they are open, Movie Pass is coming back apparently to help <sighs> you get in and see stuff. I can't That's believe we're debacle. still doing this. I can't believe we're still falling for that one. And what is it now? It's like a waiting list or something. Right. So they are opening up a waiting list on Thursday. So like have you have your finger ready to hover over the button to hit send. <laughs> Do that. And then they have a launch date of they're not sure what day exactly in or around September 5th. And they're going to have a tiered structure of $10, $20, $30. I mean, it was an interesting idea. And then like so much shit came out about their practices and like giving away people's data. And anyway. yeah, it's it's been like one little one little fiasco after another. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what to make of this. Best of luck to you, folks at Movie Pass. If you guys have Movie Pass, let us know if you did it before, if you'll do it again. Very curious to know if any of that works. Opening in theaters Friday is Breaking, a film that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year under the title 892. Not sure that I love either of those, but uh, yeah. it, it, there is a lot to recommend here. And Christy's going to tell us what it's about. Yeah, 892 at least makes some sense once you get into it. Breaking just feels like it could be about a lot of things. But it does mm -hmm. offer a, a really strong performance from John Boyega in a way that we have not seen him before. He just continues to show his versatility. He's really good here in a very showy role. As This is based on the true story of yes. a Marine veteran named Brian Brown Easley, who in July 2017 held up a bank in Murrieta, Georgia, a Wells Fargo branch. Um, he was struggling coming back from Iraq. I believe so. And um, he was living on disability and his check for $892 had not come through. And so he wanted that money. And so he robbed a bank. He, he brought with him what he said was a bomb and he robbed a bank. And was very polite about it and let all the customers leave, but kept two people there. The manager, played by Nicole Bahari, who is excellent in yes. this, and Selena Leva, who is the teller that he works with, who's also very good. And the money's and, being held up because of bureaucratic nonsense. He was in he was attending some for-profit uh, university and they tried to gouge him with some right. charges and so then his check got garnished and and he you see him hitting the wall over and over again with the VA trying to get this resolved and nothing happened and that's what sort of finally drives him to this extreme action. Right. It's a red tape of the system. Right. Yeah. And, and it's his individual story is emblematic of what happens to so many people after yeah. they go and they serve our country and then they come back and find themselves, you know, struggling mentally and financially and they're destitute and they're homeless and they're trying to do the right thing and support their family. He has a next wife. He has a little girl and it all drives into this, this breaking point as it were. Um, this is directed and co-written by Abby Damaris Corbin. Yes. And she gets a great performance out of him, but I feel like it, it tells us so much. It tells us so much instead of, always letting these actors who are so subtle and so sensitive show what's mm -hmm. happening. I mean, quite frequently, Nicole Bahari will have to 
ride this really tricky fine line because she's got to hold it together. She's got to be capable and confident, but also indicate to us her increasing fear and her panic as the situation goes on. We also have the final screen performance from Michael K. Williams, Mm -hmm. who does a whole lot more with his character than is on the page, as he so frequently did. And it's a great heartbreaking reminder of all that he can do, the the humanity that he can bring to a role. Uh, This is a, a more tender role than I think the ones that we knew, have known him for where he has brought a sense of menace. menace. Yeah. yeah. But um, he's great in it. The pieces are there. It just didn't overwhelm me. Yeah. I, I think what, what, what the bumps that this movie hits for me is that, and again, you know, you're, you're dealing with the parameters of a true story. And so you get kind of, you know, you're, there's, I guess, certain things you get locked into, but, you are telling a story that is about like a systemic issue, you know, mm-hmm. the, the VA, um, you know, the way that veterans are treated, the way that black people are treated in police situations. And like Michael K. Williams is very aware of this and is trying to negotiate with Boyega's character in a way that it, the, to, to try and avoid it ending in the usual tragedy that we get in these sort of situations. But then at the same time, we're sort of left with, and I don't want to get into spoilers here, even though, again, it's a true story. Um, It all kind of comes down to, like, the actions of one renegade who could then later be written off as a bad apple, as opposed to, you know, this is just how the system is set up to screw people. And so I I, I feel like it kind of lets the system off the hook in a way, you know, Mm. like if you, because if you can be like, Oh, we'll see if that guy had followed orders and not done X, Y, Z, then this wouldn't have ended the way it ended. And to me, that sort of diminishes the power of this systemic critique that the movie is otherwise engaging in, but you know, uh, it is a great ensemble. I mean, you you got uh, uh, Connie Britton in there Mm. and, and uh, Jeffrey Donovan. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I like there's so many pieces that are really powerful and it's it's worth a look, but it doesn't cohere by the end of it the way that 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 it delivered. I kept thinking about the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. Yes, a movie that I love. Yes, which, which, which is, is also so tense. So tense, also <laughs> about a real life situation, yeah. also grappling with a lot of these issues regarding veterans and you know, uh, uh you know, cops and black people and and that kind of stuff. And and that movie just like it just sticks the landing in a way that breaking doesn't. That movie was overwhelming. Like I found myself sobbing at the end of that movie and it's yeah. so tight and so tense and so efficient. And it gets the most out of every single second and every single bit of that cramped space and breaking just almost feels a little too languid for what is supposed to be a, a very tense situation. It's almost too quiet and too loose. Not that it has to be like bam, bam, bam in your face sure. at all times, but I feel like it's, it's a little too low key. And then there are these moments of humor. Maybe it's meant to break whatever tension exists where like regular customers are calling the bank with questions about like their 401k and he's answering the phone. I guess that's meant to show us that he's a good guy, right? Yes, that he's a that he's not a loose too. cannon, right. totally. That um he is a decent hearted guy who will be very polite and take a message. And pass it along to the right person. I guess is what that's for, but it also felt out of place. I don't know. Yeah, I, and I, you know, and again, not to keep dragging other movies into this, it's hard to watch a 
hostage situation at a bank movie and not yeah. think about dog day afternoon yeah you know and so i think as a filmmaker you kind of have to know that going in and figure out all right how am i going to tell this story in a way that that puts my own imprint on it and there are moments i think where that gets accomplished the fact that the 911 operator can't even summon a hostage negotiator and he finally has to call the news to get anybody to pay attention to what he's doing mm. you know there are there are little grace notes like that that i think are are really interesting but um yeah i, I don't know I, I think this is a movie that doesn't quite reach its potential but even so uh, because there's so much in its favor, it's absolutely worth checking. Out. Yeah, I'm saying 6.5, and that's mostly for the performances and just heartbreaking to see Michael K. Williams one last time. Yeah, I said 6.8, pretty much the same thing. And you know, I, I would like to see what what this filmmaker does next. I think she has a definite skill with you know working with performers, absolutely. And I think there's a lot that she brings to the table that um, you know, as she grows and develops and gets to make more movies, that I think will really turn into something. We're catching up with Look Both Ways on Netflix. Alonzo will tell you about it. So, yeah, this is uh, very much in the vein of sliding doors, only this time it's about uh, sliding pregnancy tests. Uh, we meet Lily Reinhardt when she is about to graduate from, from UT in Austin. She has dreams of moving to Los Angeles and becoming an animator. Uh, and she has uh, a BFF uh, with occasional one-time benefits, a, a drummer named Gabe, played by Danny Ramirez. And um, at a specific juncture point, point, she either is or isn't pregnant and we then see the two branches of where her life would have gone after that when she the, the the version that moves to los angeles manages to get a job working for an animator that she really respects but she hits some creative walls she falls in love with a co-worker but his documentary career takes him to far-flung locations and threatens to sort of uh, upturn their relationship the version that does get pregnant moves back home with her parents um, who are played by Andrea Savage and Luke Wilson and Gabe is around, but she keeps him at a distance. And so he winds up starting to date other women and she feels depressed about, you know, the life that she might've had and, you know, the, the, the sacrifices of becoming a mom. Uh, you know, this is kind of, it reminds me a lot of those sort of like 1930s, 1940s shop girl makes good movies, you know, where, <laughs> You know, you, you you know, Joan Crawford or whoever's got spunk and she's going to make her way in the world and she's going to stand up for what she wants. And, um, <laughs> you know, this is a movie about kind of like following your dreams and, and, and you know, things manage to, 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 to work themselves out one way or another. It's the first screenplay from April Prosser. And, you know, I think she plays it a little safe at times. For one thing, the word abortion is never uttered in this movie. In like, Texas. In Texas. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, I get if she has an abortion, then we have no movie. But like at least put no. it on the table as an option, an option that you were choosing not to do. But like we just skirt that entirely, which I found kind of, uh, I don't know, Unrealistic. a weird choice. Unrealistic yes. for Unrealistic. a young woman who is 22 and who has really specific plans and like yes. an actual apartment in yes. Los Angeles. And a, and a literal, <laughs> like she's a five-year plan kind of person. So yeah, that 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 seemed like an odd choice. Uh, this is directed by Winuri Kahiu. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you know that in the last couple of months, uh, we went back and talked about her breakthrough film Rafiki, which was the first film from Kenya to screen at the Cannes Film Festival, even though it was banned in her home country because of its positive depiction of a teenage lesbian romance. Um, and so this is her first uh, Hollywood movie. And, you know, I think I think she she is very good at 
uh, sort of capturing, you know, ambitious young women and and the way that they make their way in the world and that they get what they want. Um, you know, there's a there's a definite sheen to this film. Mm-hmm. It's very, um, uh, 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 what's the word? Um, uh, when you you see something that, that like you, it's very aspirational. It is aspirational. It's super aspirational. <laughs> uh, but Lily Reinhardt is very charming. You know, she's Betty from Riverdale. Um, she's she's I think an engaging sort of audience surrogate. You want things to go well with her. Um, Danny Ramirez as Gabe is is okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, you 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 much more want her to wind up with uh, David Cornsweet as uh, Jake, the the documentary guy. Um, but yeah, this is, you know, it's it's the kind of movie where you take your mom to see it and she says, well, that was cute, you know. <laughs> this is a movie that's going to play on heavy rotation on the monitors at Dry Bar in about 10 years. <laughs> when you're getting your blowout, you're going to get to watch Lily Reinhardt shoot between Danny Ramirez and David Corrin and go, oh, I like her. She's cute. Um, She is really cute and she is really likable and she's got a, a warm kind of, almost like a Brittany Murphy thing to her mm, in yes, her eyes and, and, yeah, and in her, in her presence. Um, and so that goes a long way to making this more enjoyable than it really should be. It's way too long. It's nearly yeah. two hours long. I had to pause it around the halfway point and I realized, Oh my God, there's still like a whole nother <laughs> hour here. What more can happen to her? I found the back and forth structure very clunky in terms of the rhythms. It never really got into a rhythm of like, okay, now it's time for this. And okay, now it's time for this. I found her haircuts very confusing because <laughs> they're very defining for her for a long time. She has really long hair and longer than mine. And then when she becomes a mom, she cuts it shorter and she hates that. And then she grows it out. But then Lily, who goes to LA, has long hair and eventually cuts it to be more professional and that's very confusing yeah as a plot point the hair was not it really didn't leap out at me as a thing of like that i was being able to track you know where she was in her life and what her choices were. right i want katya and trixie to review this because they're going to have all (laughs) kinds of thoughts on her hair and her clothes she wears shorts and heels a lot because she can she's a young woman working at at an animation house um this is a film that exists in the fantasy world where you can just walk up and get your badge at south by southwest without having to wait in a whole long line that's (laughs) never happened in my lifetime there is a level of like that's going to be me one day here like uh, uh, on the along the lines of like don't tell mom the babysitter's dead like i can totally see this is like if you're a 14 year old girl and you want to have like big you know uh, hollywood dreams or or art d- related dreams like yes the, this this is movies gonna be like yes more please you know yeah. and that's fine and th- those movies deserve to exist i agree i think there are there are some specifics they could have gotten better um <laughs> you know but uh, yeah i i and I, I i didn't find it clunky so much but i i do think definitely could have been trimmed for sure. Yeah. Also, I, so speaking of that, of the aspirational like girl gets to work in the art world, the conversations that she has in the LA segment mm-hmm. with Jake, the boyfriend, those are fun. I wanted yeah. more of those. And those helped flesh her out as a person in both timelines. She's just so nicey nice. And like nothing really awful ever happens to her. No insurmountable challenges happen. She gets pregnant and she gets to move back into her like cool as shit, mid-century modern house with her parents. Like that's, right. she's got support. She's got built-in childcare. She's got <laughs> space. Like there are no real challenges for her here. She has like and, the teeniest bit of postpartum depression and then moves on, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
she can she can be back into her jeans pretty quickly. I wasn't going to go there, but yeah, that's I will that's definitely. I will a... go there. I had a baby. It takes a long time. <laughs> um, so there's that, and also I have one more question for you. Okay, so the boyfriend, what is his job? Which one, Jake? The, oh, Jake. He is some kind <laughs> of something. I never I, what he does at the animation studio. I don't know. I know that he leaves to become a doc producer, and then it becomes much more clear. He's just like everywhere for a plot contrivance. He just happens to be at the bar. He just happens to be there on the first day of her, her job interview. He happens to have a desk right near where she works. Like well, he just it, he's a cute hunky plot. But he, but he works at the company, so of course he would be at that party, and then of course he would walk through the lobby when she was there because he does work there. I, know, I don't know what I, he does there, but he works there. <laughs> didn't he say he was an actor when he met her at the bar? Or he was just teasing her. Uh, he was teasing because he asked her, "Are you an actress?" Oh, and she said, uh, "No, are you?" Oh. And he has, "Yes." Oh, anyway. Banter. I have, I, have, I, I guess I have problems <laughs> with this. Um, but I'm, I'm giving it a five. Okay, I gave it a six and a half just because I was charmed by it, but uh, it did, it definitely felt like it's a bit of a piffle. Uh, I will say kudos to April Prosser, not only for getting her first screenplay produced, but for surviving having been Doug Ellen's assistant during the entourage years. Oh. I looked her up on IMDb and that was that's like one of her earlier credits. I was like, yes, you, you get out there and get yours because you've <laughs> suffered. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for listening today. Uh, join us again on Friday. We will have a couple more reviews. And uh, of course, wrapping up the uh, second season of Only Murders in the Building over at our Patreon at patreon.com slash BFast all day. And uh, in the meantime, of course, you can follow us on the socials at BFast all day as well. Have a good week, everybody. Take care of yourselves and each other. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.